This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel the Host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the 28th day of November, 2023. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. And we webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. How are we doing today? Tuesday. Flying through the month, flying through the year, Advent starts this weekend. You know, it's amazing how fast things go. Uh, the older I get, the 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 more I recognize the brevity of life. Um, just uh, you know, just just seems such a short time ago that the hair on my head was a much darker color and uh, the the ravages of time had not taken such an effect on my body but it hasn't been that much time It, it, it goes by so fast which is why it's so important that the focus of our lives needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's, life is so brief, and as the whole message of the book of Ecclesiastes says, a life without God is meaningless. So a brief life with no God in it is a horrible thing. But... A life that is spent trusting and obeying the Lord is a worthy thing. And so, if you have not done so, would you repent and believe the gospel today? I urge you to do so. The The good news of Jesus Christ is that while we are all sinners and justly under the wrath of God, there's no excuse, there's no justification for our sin. In our in ourselves, so we are all under the wrath of God. But in the person of Jesus Christ, God became a man, and He lived the perfect life you and I cannot live. Then He died the a death He didn't deserve as our substitute, in our place, taking the penalty of our sin. Paid in full. So that if we come to him by faith, we exchange our sinful guilt 
for his perfect spotless righteousness. Our sin and our guilt are nailed to the cross and they're paid for. And we receive the perfect life that he lived in their place. So that when we die, we can stand in the presence of God, clothed in white raiments, guiltless and spotless and fully accepted by the Lord of the universe. Repent and believe the gospel. Especially as we are coming into the Christmas season, as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ, it, it is so important that you know where you stand with God. And so I urge you, repent and believe the gospel. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy 18 continues. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14 as we continue to work our way through Deuteronomy. All right. Let's begin, as is our practice. Fiona the mouse has been quite active this morning. If you see Fiona running around back there in the background, she's... Uh, can't see her. She's behind the wheel, but she's making noise. But she has taken all of the paper out from under her log here and shoved it out into the main floor so that there's a huge pile of paper in the middle of her cage. And she has just been bustling. We cleaned her cage yesterday, and uh, I put in a little bit of extra paper because it's winter, and I thought she might want a little bit more substantial nest. And she pulled all that paper out from where I had put it under the log and it just piled it up. She can't even run on her wheel. There's a toilet paper tube in her wheel that was also under the log. And there she is, bustling around. So, yeah, crazy little mouse. But she seems happy, so we'll let her bustle. All right, the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins, and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Today's devotional is Value and Importance of Knowing the Father. Our Father who is in heaven, Matthew 6 9b. 
Dr. MacArthur writes, Knowing God as our Father carries with it a definite list of spiritual privileges and benefits. First, it means we need not fear as pagans do before their false gods or unbelievers do in their agnosticism. Second, real knowledge of God resolves uncertainties and gives us hope. A good earthly father does what it takes to protect and provide for his children. So our Heavenly Father does much more to love and sustain His children. Matthew 7.11, John 10.29, John 14.21. Third, knowing the Father alleviates loneliness. Family, friends, and even other believers may reject us, but we can be sure that God never will. John 14.21, see also Psalm 68.5 and 6. Fourth, Knowing God as Father settles the issue of selfishness. Selfishness. Jesus used the plural possessive pronoun in reference to God because we share his fatherhood with millions of other Christians. Thus, we ought to pray for others, not just ourselves. Fifth, genuine knowledge of the Father means all his heavenly resources are available to us. Ephesians 1.3 Finally, this comprehension settles the issue of obedience. If Jesus in his incarnation did only his Father's will, John 6:38, we uh, as adopted spiritual children must also do only God's will. This proves our relationship to him, Matthew 12:50. Yet God in his grace still loves his children who disobey. See Luke 15:11 through 24. Being our Father reveals God's willingness to lend His ear, power, and blessing to His children for their best and His glory. Ask yourself, which of these six benefits of God's fatherhood struck you as most comforting and compelling today? What needs in your life does this particular blessing of God meet, and how does it do so in ways that no person could ever accomplish? And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, we are continuing to look at Deuteronomy. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, one of the things that you may have picked up on is on the one hand, it doesn't seem to be a continuous theme of topics. We've gone from, just in the last couple of cases, we've gone from false worship back at the beginning of 17, then to judging and, you know, duties for officials, then to the king copying his own copy of the law and, and obeying it, and then to the portion that was given to the Levites as they came into the land. And now we're back to false worship. 
Now, why? It seems like we're jumping around, but we're not really. Understand, one thing to keep in mind, in Deuteronomy, Moses is taking the the principles of the law given at Mount Sinai, and he's taking it from the context of all of Israel living together in one camp in the wilderness to Israel spreading out over a territory and a, and a nation where you're not in close proximity with every other Israelite now. Now you're spread, you know, over over vast miles as you take away, you know, take over these different areas. So this, you know, he's, he's taking that law and he's applying it. And some of it is, you know, you're going to be spread out. So there's going to be different, um, uh, different ways of, of governing a spread out, people as opposed to a to a condensed people so the government's going to be a little bit different so you have judges in every town and village and you have you know an appeal to the higher court which is the high priest and later the king well if you're going to be appealing to the king the king needs to know the law and so the king has to make his own copy of the law and the law you know the the, the priests need to be provided for. So they have a portion that's given to them because they don't get an inheritance in the land. So it's all applying to that spread out through the land thing. So now we're coming back to um, the the issue of false worship. And it, it's, 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 it gets pretty explicit, but in... Uh, Chapter 18, verse 9, the very first verse shows what I'm talking about here, about why Moses is, is speaking it this way. He says, when you enter the land which Yahweh your God gives you. So that we've seen that phrase. Look back to uh, chapter 17, verse 14. When you enter the land which Yahweh your God gives you. Back at the beginning of chapter 17, or actually, anyway, you see that, 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 that it's all dealing with when you, when you enter the land that God is giving you. So like I said, this is applying the principles of the law to the, the changing situation of Israel's living, um, going from living in a single camp to living in the land. So Moses writes, verses 9 through 14, When you enter the land which Yahweh your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices soothsaying, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who is an enchanter, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who inquires of the dead. 
For whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh your God will dispossess them from before you. You shall be blameless before Yahweh your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice soothsaying and to diviners. But as for you, Yahweh your God has not allowed you to do so. So he's talking here about the practices of the people in the land who are being driven out. Saying, don't imitate their practices. Back at the beginning in, in chapter 17, we were talking about don't imitate their worship. Don't worship their false gods. But now he's saying he's, he's going to, to slightly different... Uh, the Worship is involved, but there's a slightly different emphasis here. First, he calls these abominations. What these nations were doing was abominable in the sight of God. God is the judge of every nation. Um, way back when we were talking about the Ten Commandments, I talked about the fact that there are many statements about what the stuff that God was judging these other nations for. And it was their immorality, their sexual immorality, and their false worship primarily. But here's another one. Divination, soothsaying, reading of signs and omens. You know, that seems interesting. So we'll talk about that in a minute. So first, he starts with human sacrifice. Don't sacrifice. Don't make your son or daughter pass through the fire. This was not, you know, jumping over a fire. This was being burned to death. And it was part of the worship of Molech, was you know, human sacrifice in the fire. Um, Molech is an interesting god, false god, you know, pagan idol, in that he was considered to be the god of fire, but also the god of burning passion. And the worship of Molech consisted in a lot of sexual immorality. Rampant sexuality produces pregnancies. Then the children from these pregnancies would be sacrificed by fire to Molech. And, and it's, you know, we shudder when we think of something like that, Meanwhile, we drive past abortion clinics and don't even glance over. So, you know, the, the, we practice these things as a nation. Um, even in the, the wake of Dobbs and the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned, you've had a push to codify abortion legally in America. I mean, look at this amendment to the, to the Ohio State Constitution. What a vile, uh, I, I, you know, even so, come Lord Jesus. Oh, so don't sacrifice your children. Don't practice divination. Don't practice soothsaying. Don't 
practice the interpretation of omens, don't be a sorcerer. There shall not be found among you anyone who does these things. Sacrificing or, or divination, soothsaying, interpreting omens, these involve trying to predict the future and trying to discern the will of the gods. So there is a worship aspect to this. Um, but it's, it's the, the, the purpose of this was, you know, are the omens good to go to war or the omen? There was, it was a, how do I put it? Um, if you go back and read Homer's Iliad before Agamemnon and the, the, the Greeks went to, uh, um, Troy to attack Troy, they sought omens. And it, it just, it's, it's a, I think it, it, it's assuaging humanity's inability to control things. You know, we, we like to think we're in control, but we're not. And so instead of, you know, planning wisely and saying, okay, you know, chances are we're going to have a crop next year, but there might be a plague of locusts, there might be a drought, so we need to save, you know. So you, you, you use wisdom and knowledge to plan and you pray to God, you know, to keep us from disaster and, and keep us through disaster. Um, and it's depending upon God as we ought to. This is different. This is, you know, trying to, to, you know, control the future through, you know, trying to know the future and then trying to control it. So you have, you know, the, the examining and interpreting of omens to try to determine the future and the will of the gods and then enchanting and, and uh, all of this stuff to try to um, control the future, you know, casting spells to change things. So there's, there's, there's spiritism, the use of spirits, you know, necromancy, inquiring of the dead. Um, these were all things that were being done by the people in the land of Canaan. Um, so, you know, you have, you know, people that were supposedly computing. This is, this is, oh man, the spiritism like this is alive and well in our world right now. I, uh, very recently, recently being in the last couple of years, I read a book about the eighteen, the Victorian 
and Edwardian fascination with spiritism in England. And, I mean, just, there were, um, oh, quite a few people who you would think would be, you know, um, Arthur Conan Doyle, the, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, was very much into the occult. And it, it carried in, I mean, there were, there were people like, uh, what was his name, Crowley, um, in the late 18th, early 19th centuries that established these, you know, schools of the occult kind of in England. And they influenced all sorts of people down to today. And so a lot of this, this is, this is nothing new. Um, we live in a land where every major newspaper, although newspapers are not uh, as prevalent as they used to be, because fewer people are reading the newspapers in the print version anyway. But all of the print newspapers carry horoscopes, which, you know, are meaningless. But there are people who... It, they're desiring a sense of knowledge and control that isn't theirs to have. We're not supposed to depend upon the astrologer. We're supposed to depend upon the Lord. Um, Nancy Reagan was famous for, you know, having a celebrity astrologer who, and, and I, from what I have read, um, President Reagan didn't buy into this, but he humored his wife. And, and you know, if, if the horoscope was bad, he would change his travel or something to appease his wife, not because he himself was uh, a devotee of such things. But even then, you know, we should have nothing to do with this stuff. Don't read your horoscope. It's meaningless. You know, who cares? You know, the time of year you were born and what your star sign is doesn't affect anything. Zero. Zip, zero, nada. There is no, you know, what, what affects you is, you know, yes, ancestry, culture, you know, the sovereignty of God determining your parents and where and when you were born. It's its all dependent upon the sovereignty of God. It's not dependent upon, you know, the, the star sign. And you can read any horoscope <laughs> and, uh, oh, that makes sense, it, because it's so vague and designed to... It's either something that's true of everybody or it's something you want to believe. That's how it's constructed. So it's either, oh, that's true. Well, it's true of everybody. You know, it's some, some, something about humanity that's true of all of us. <laughs> or it's uh, um, something you want to believe about yourself. You know, you, know, you are, what was the, the line from Demolition Man? Oh, is that somebody you're you're 
You are a something person who brings joy, joy thoughts to those around you. It's hilarious. It was, it was like the, the psycho babble um, distilled down to like a third grade reading level. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the line, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, but that's, it's something everybody wants to believe. We all want to believe that we're good people and we're well liked and we should be liked. And if people don't like us, they're stupid. And, you know, <laughs> and, and the people we don't like are, are just evil. And, and so it's something that we either want to believe or it's something that's true of everybody. And that describes every horoscope. That describes every quote unquote gypsy fortune teller reading a crystal ball. They're telling people things that are true of everybody or things that everybody wants to believe. And they also use all sorts of trickery to make the people that they're doing the telling the fortunes of believe they know more than they do. Um, and if you've ever read any of the books about that, where they talk about how much we give away, that the observant fortune teller from how we dress, how we speak, um, the car we drove up in, they're looking at all of that stuff and then they're turning it back to you and, oh, wow, they know who I am. They can see, you know, but it's it's all trickery. Um, I'm reminded of uh, Peter Popov when he was exposed by James Randi back in the 80s, early 80s. Peter Popov was a TV evangelist, televangelist. Um, and he, you know, did these healing services. And he would come, it was all the same tricks that, you know, magicians use to think, to make you think they're mentalists, that they can read minds and stuff. He was doing it. Um, but he was trying, he was saying it was power given to him by God. Um, at least when a magician does a magic trick, you know, he's tricking you. He's open about that. It's, a, they call themselves illusionists. They make you think they're doing something magical, but they're not. It's a trick. But these, you know, people like, you know, Peter Popoff and Yuri Geller and all these people, they come out and, and they try to make you think they really have these powers. But they're using the same sorts of tricks that magicians use. And so James Randi, who, there were a lot of admirable things about James Randi and there are a lot of despicable things about James Randi. Um, he was a rampant homo homosexual, absolute God-hater. Um, but he was also good at exposing these frauds. And he was a magician. That was his stock in trade. He went to probably several Peter Popov events with a radio scanner and eventually found the frequency that was being used. <laughs> um, here's, here's one of those things, you know, um, as Justin Peters has said, 
Never trust a faith healer who wears glasses. Yeah. Well, James Randi noticed that Peter Popoff was wearing a hearing aid. Now, at that time, Popoff was a young man, probably in his 40s. Young, young to me now. <laughs> um, you know, maybe 30s or 40s. And he was wearing a hearing aid. He was not apparently hard of hearing. And he was a faith healer. So why is a faith healer wearing hearing aids? You know, Well, it turned out it was a radio receiver. And what they were doing was Popov's wife, out in the lobby of his events, they had prayer cards where people could write down their prayer needs and put them in a, in a bucket. Well, as soon as everybody went in and the show started, Popov's wife was going through the prayer cards and getting people's names and their needs off the prayer cards. And then she would radio them to Popov. And he's on stage getting this word from the Lord that there's somebody named Marjorie here who just got diagnosed with cancer. Marjorie, you don't need to worry. God's going to heal you of your cancer. Yeah, it, that was the sort of thing that, that they were doing with this radio and so people want to know that stuff. So you have, you know, they use trickery to gain knowledge to make you think they know more than they do. They give you messages that are either true of everybody or something you want to believe. And those three things is all it takes to be a successful soothsayer. They don't know the future. They don't know the future. If you want to know the future, read the prophecy in the Bible. These people don't know the future. Um, I look back to, uh, you know, the 2020 election. Every major charismatic quote-unquote prophet predicted a huge win by Donald Trump. Uh, who's in the White House? <laughs> you know, uh, so they don't know the future. They can't predict the future. We're going to get into that here in a minute. You know, tomorrow, when we get into the the end of Deuteronomy chapter 18, because Moses is setting it up here. He's saying, here are all these false prophets, false, these soothsayers and enchanters and everybody who says they know the future, who say they can predict things, they're wrong. Don't do what they do. Don't let anybody who practices these things be found among you. Christian, if you are a Christian, don't read your horoscope. Just don't. You know, not even for entertainment purposes. Don't mess with it. It's a waste of your time. Yeah. I'd rather see you read, you know, cheap dime novels than your horoscope. So these things are an abomination to Yahweh. 
verse 12, because of these abominations, Yahweh your God will dispossess of them. The them refers back to the nations that were in the land before Israel, the nations that were being driven out. God was dispossessing those nations because of this sort of thing. Child sacrifice, top the list, but then all of these soothsaying and predicting and fortune-telling. And he says in verse 13, You don't be like that. You shall be blameless before Yahweh your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice soothsaying and to diviners. But as for you, Yahweh your God has not allowed you to do so. So, what is our, you know, should we be anxious about tomorrow? No. Should we be wise about tomorrow? Yes. But should we be anxious? No. God is in charge. He has a plan. Do you trust him? If you do the things you know you ought to do, and you trust in the Lord, tomorrow's going to be just fine. The same way, if you know the Lord, and you're planning for tomorrow, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I have never gotten good at in all of my years on this planet is menu planning. My mother was good at it. She planned a menu for the week, what she was going to cook. And remember, she was a school teacher, so she she was a working mother. Um, She was a school teacher, and later later she was an executive assistant to uh, the public transportation director. But she, you know, so she worked all, all day. But she did her menu planning. And so every week she would plan out what she was going to cook for for dinner. She would get breakfast thing because we all, you know, we always had to grab breakfast. And then if, you know, it was school year, we ate lunch at school. If it was the summer, she would have stuff for us to make sandwiches and whatnot um, when we were home because we were, you know, from the time I was 11 or 12, I was home alone. Now, when I was younger than that, mom being a school teacher, she had summers off. So if I was out of school, she was out of school. And so, you know, she was home to fix lunch. But, you know, from late adolescence, early teen years, I was home alone um, a lot during the summer. Or I was out, you know, very quickly I was working for my dad in construction beginning in junior high. So, and, and later in high school, you know, changing pipe and bucking bales and, you know, doing agriculture work um, when I wasn't working for my dad. So, you know, didn't have a lot of sitting around in the summer. They, they kept me pretty busy, which was a good thing. I wasn't busy with travel athletics and stuff like that. I was busy with work. (laughs) Um, But, you know, mom would plan the menu. And then she would go to the grocery store and buy everything she needed to cook what she had planned for the coming week. 
That's wisdom. Yeah. Now, if something happened where, you know, something came up, we had to go somewhere, or as sometimes happened, mom and daddy come home from work, um, and mom would be tired and just wouldn't feel like cooking. And that, that, that happened not every month, but there were just times that mom had had a bad day, didn't feel like cooking. And so alternate plans would kick in. And those would be your frozen pizza nights. Those would be, you know, there were two restaurants. There was Larry's Six Mile Tavern and there was the Nine Mile House. Larry's had fried chicken and the Nine Mile House had prime rib. <laughs> and quite often, um, if, if it was one of those, I just don't feel like cooking nights, we would end up at one or the other. Um, dad had remodeled the nine mile house twice and, uh, the owners were friends of mom and dad. Um, Doug caught, taught dad how to cook a steak. Um, sadly the place burnt down and, uh, it was after Doug and Barb had retired the, the, it burnt down. Oh gosh, it's been many years now, but I still kind of get weepy when I drive by the, just this empty gravel lot where the nine mile house used to be because spent a lot of fun times there. Um, as a dad had remodeled it twice, I worked on the second remodel. Um, the first remodel was new bathrooms. Second remodel was an expanded dining room. Um, and and just I remember the prime rib sandwiches for lunch. Oh, they had the best prime rib. I've never had prime rib that good since. I miss Nine Mile House prime rib. But so the the planning for the future didn't depend on what actually was going to happen. It depended on if things go well, this is what we'll do. But when things would come up, yeah, there was always frozen pizza. There was, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches. There was, you know, something quick and easy when the meal plan wouldn't fit the circumstances. And that's kind of the way the Christian is supposed to live our life. We plan our normal routine. You know, we look at our calendar for the week, and, and we like this week, where we're, I've got, you know, youth group at the church tomorrow night, so I am planning on going in tomorrow night. Now, you know, we may get a huge blizzard tomorrow. It's not predicted, <laughs> not expecting it, but we may get a huge blizzard tomorrow, and I can't make it the 40 miles to the church. That's fine. There's nothing to worry about. We might, you know, on Friday, I'm planning to get together with uh, my friend Daryl because he's going to play the piano for me um, for a solo for Christmas Eve. Actually, two songs. I'm going to sing two songs Christmas Eve. He's going to play the piano. We're getting together Friday to rehearse. You know, that's the plan. 
Something could happen between here and there. So we use our wisdom to plan our days, but we trust in the Lord, knowing that we may have to chuck our plans out the window because God's plans supersede ours. And it's not a matter of, I have to be in control of everything. It's a matter of trusting God who is in control of everything. So all of this soothsaying and fortune-telling and all of this, these, these things which are considered abominations to God, they're considered abominations because they are the epitome of faithlessness, lack of faith. And so this was the, the uh, situation of the land before Israel got there. And it's the situation of pagan people around the world today, here and elsewhere. So don't, don't fall into this trap. Don't fall into fortune telling. Don't fall into you know, trying to predict the future. Don't fall into trying to control the future. You know, whether you're, you know, coven of witches trying to cast spells against Donald Trump, which I actually read a newspaper article about. Or you're a coven of witches trying to cast spells against Joe Biden, which I've also heard about. You know, don't get into that. We don't have the power or the right to try to manipulate God's universe. We are called to trust in God. And that's what Moses is talking about here. Now, tomorrow, we're going to look at true prophets. And so that's going to be tomorrow's study Bible level Bible study. All right. Scroll through all the notes I didn't read. And let's now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the 26th Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Colic for Peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, 
Through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Colic for the Unrepentant Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Tuesday. Have a great day. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.